Special Average. Hmm. You ready? Yes. Hi, I'm Jamie. And I'm Beth. Welcome to Thief Steals the Podcast. Where I steal the podcast. And I steal it back. Okie dokies. Today we are talking about leverage. Leverage? Leverage. 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 Episode 11 of Season 4, The Girls' Night Out Job. Beth, what did you think? Okay, so obviously I was correct in Mm -hmm. what the episode was. Yeah. Not shocking. I had a pretty good idea going into it. Yeah. I have... Some questions. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I did really like this episode. Um, I'm very excited to see next week because I'm assuming it's going to be the boys. Oh, yeah. Boys yeah. POV. Yeah. 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 I'm I, not even going to like pretend uh, like, yeah. no, we never get context for what the <laughs> fuck is happening. Like, like, I literally was like, when did the Mexican drug situation, when did that come into it? Like, okay. You will see. Anyway. We will get there and you will see exactly how the Mexican drug cartel works into it. So I'm very excited to see. But basically, what this week taught me is that I'm very excited for next week. <laughs> yeah. But I do have a question. It's about okay. Mattingly. Okay, yeah. Who, by the way, phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But is this another Australian accent? I couldn't quite tell. I don't know if he's meant... I, I've never thought he was Australian, so I've never looked into this. Maybe... I just felt like I was like, I don't quite... Like, he was giving me, like, Larry Hemsworth from The Good Place. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I'm just Googling it. Yeah. But may, maybe maybe the Leverage Wiki will know. Okay, so yeah, so I've just gone onto the Leverage Wiki, mm-hmm. and in the, like, description of the Girls' Night Out job, it says, The Mark, Craig Mattingly, an Australian thief with heavy debts. There we go. Another sneaky Australian accent. Why do they keep making Australians villains? I think it's because of Gina Bellman. She's a Kiwi, so... (laughs) She's like, they keep saying that they invented the pavlova and I will not stand for this. Yeah, she's just getting like a little bit of sneaky, sneaky revenge. (laughs) And I think that's so valid of her. I think it's hilarious. (laughs) Okay. So it is a question about Mattingly. I'm glad that we Mm. we sorted out the accent. I was correct. But it's... I didn't pick it as Australian accent, and you know why I think I didn't ever pick it as an Australian accent? It's much more subtle. It's so subtle. Like, normally you get an Australian accent, it's like, g'day, like, right? Yeah, and it's like, just the most butchered, like... It is normally <laughs> terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it's weird to have a subtle yeah. Australian accent in media. Exactly. So anyway, I was like, oh, okay. My big question about mm-hmm. Mattingly, who generally as a character I did quite enjoy. I kind of yeah. hope we get him back. He seems like he's set up to mm-hmm. maybe be recurring. I feel like it could be interesting to have him crop back up. Mm-hmm. But the very beginning of the episode, mm-hmm. he attaches himself to a car. Yeah. And my question is not actually about how he does that. I was I was very impressed by his obvious core strength. Yeah. You know. My question is, does he know that lady? In the car. I don't think so. <laughs> she just kind of looks at him and smiles. And he, like, looks at her and smiles. And then, like, for some reason it cuts to the guy driving, who I assume is her partner, maybe. like I think it's meant to be just like, oh, he's a suave 007 Bond type. But he's holding on to the side of your car. I what? Why was her reaction to look at him and be like, hey, and not be like, what the fuck? <laughs> I cannot stress this enough. If you haven't watched this episode recently, go look at the intro scene. Because he's literally just plastered himself to the side of her car. He looks insane. And she doesn't even fucking blink. And my She's just like, yep, no, normal Tuesday, this dude has straight up just like <laughs> Spider-Man himself onto the side he's, of my car. He's got like one foot hooked on the rim of the rear window to like hold himself in place. And I'm like, does... Does he know her? Like, I literally, when I was watching it, I was like, I can't tell if they're accomplices or if this is just weird. <laughs> I think it's genuinely just a random woman. It's, it must... And it's meant to just be like, he's so suave, he's so smooth, he's so <laughs> slick. He can hit on this lady in the car that he doesn't even know. Through a window. Through without a window speaking. without speaking. <laughs> and she's into it. And he's just holding on. They are just fully going through traffic. Yeah. I just... What is happening? What a bizarre situation. <laughs> I mean, he's doing what he's got to do. Oh, God. Okay. But I do I do like Manningly. Mm-hmm. I do like him. I love the fact, though, that he finds out that Parker is Parker and he's like, THE Parker. Yeah. Like, I just worked a job with Parker. I know. Like, I... he's such a little nerd fanboy for it <laughs> and I love that for him. 
Like, I am also a little, like, nerd about Parker. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I, so valid. I adore mm-hmm. that he is like, oh, I'll cut you in for 20%. And Parker is livid. She's so fucking offended. She's as like, she should be. As she should be. She's like, you didn't even fucking do anything. You didn't even pick the lock. You didn't even know how to use a fucking USB. Like. Which does, in fact, become very relevant because, yes, he does know how to use a USB. Mm-hmm. He was just purposefully being sneaky. Mm-hmm. Purposefully being tricky. Mm-hmm. Oh, but what I do love, what I do love is when he, like, grasps her arm and she mm-hmm. says it's going to be real hard to count that money with five broken fingers. And Ooh. I was like, yes. Parker, the icon. Oh, my God. It was giving me the same energy as that scene when Cass is like, that won't kill an angel, but this will. Like It was also giving me the energy of when she is holding Tara by the fingertips off the side mm, of the room. And yes. like, do you know how strong my fingertips are? I hang off of buildings for a living. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 She is that bitch. Yes. And I love her. I love it. And okay, this is just going to turn into a Parker appreciation yeah. 20 minutes. Because- it's a Parker episode, to be fair. So that yes. makes perfect sense. Oh my goodness. God, has she gotten so much better at grifting? So much better at grifting. Yeah. she Like, that's growth, baby. That's mm-hmm. development. Mm-hmm. And I honestly, like, we'll get on to Peggy in a minute, but I am so glad that they brought Peggy back because mm-hmm. I think it is such a fantastic tie to Parker's, like, first attempts at grifting. Mm-hmm. Like, it is a very... Like, it's it's a reminder to the audience about how far Parker has come. It's like without, we started from the bottom, now we're here. Yeah, but it, it does it without having to resort to flashbacks, which we get a lot mm-hmm. in leverage. And I think... They're if, not afraid of a good flashback. Yeah. Or even a bad flashback, for that reason. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, But I think that this is a fun way to tie it back to her previous exploits without using a flashback mm-hmm. or without putting it explicitly in the text dialogue of, like... Look how far Parker's come. And, like, to be fair, they do do that a bit. Like, we get a lot of, like, really explicit lines of, like, last time I tried to grift, I stabbed a dude. Yeah. Which is, like, perfectly fine and it makes perfect sense and it's very relevant. Mm. But it's also, like, they do, like, that is something they use a lot. They remind you, hey, remember last time Parker tried to grift? Yeah. And I think that the the slight issue I have with that is they do often fall back on the exact same examples all the yeah. time. Like, it does always come down to her stabbing that one dude with a fork. And I'm like, I feel like you're forgetting every other time that Parker has tried to grift. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think that it is wonderful to have Peggy serve as mm-hmm. the reminder and, like, seeing how her relationship with Parker has developed since that point, like, is just so delightful. Like, they have brunch I'm obsessed with it's that. Not, they have a book club, it's Jamie. It's not hard. They have forks. <laughs> Which has to be one of my favourite Parker lines of all time. Mm. Like, just the idea that, like, she's... They're like, we're so proud of you for pretending to be a normal human being and actually, like, making a friend. And she's like, physically, that activity is really easy because there's cutlery. Yeah. Like, baby girl, that's not what they were talking about. They were talking about the fact that you managed... Mm-hmm. To maintain a relationship despite the fact you both move city. Like, yeah, right. And it's like, oh, and also Parker hugging. Mm-hmm. Like, very carefreely. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just such a fascinating look at how her character has changed behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Because we haven't heard about Peggy since we had Alice White. No. But this is like, oh, yeah, this has been happening. And I think it serves as also a really nice reminder of, like, we don't actually see the crew 100% of the time. No. Like, there are things happening while we're not around as, like, you know, the behind the fourth wall, yeah. like, peering in. And I think that that is a really fun way to remind us of that, as to be like, yeah, so while all of this other shit that has been happening, mm-hmm. like, Parker, meanwhile, like, they got back from fucking trapping Moreau, yeah. and Parker had, two days later, was having brunch with Peggy, yeah. and not telling her any of it. You know, they were chatting about book club. Because Parker's a spy. Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I also love the fact that she's like, I had to think of a name for you, Sophie, because Sophie is pissy that she's chosen <laughs> Marge. That's <laughs> so funny. Do you know what is hilarious? Is my first thought when I heard Marge, I was like, that is not a Sophie name. And then we were, I was like, oh, okay, that makes way more Because Sophie did not choose it and actively does not like it. <laughs> Marge. I love that Parker is self-aware about it. She's like, I know. I'm sorry. I, know. I didn't have time to think of anything better. Like, 
Oh, one, I do have one teensy criticism of Parker mm-hmm. this episode. She does take a picture of Mattingly with her flash on. And I was like, babe, <laughs> babe, this is rookie level. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> but that is my only complaint, mm-hmm. basically. Other than that, she's an icon. Yes, absolutely. She is absolutely an icon. I love I love Parker. I love Parker every every episode. I love the scene in this episode where she's like pretending to fall for Craig Mattingly's bullshit. Because he's not very convincing either. He's like, oh, yeah, no, I know, like, my buddy works here. I left, I, he, he borrowed my sweater. He must have left it here. I'll go and get it. Also, fucking sweater. What Australian. Like, this is how you know that they have not talked to an Australian about how the Australian should talk. The fuck is a sweater? We have jumpers this is a sweater i know that it's a sweater but that's not what we call it well i call it a sweater well you're a fake australian (laughs) it's a fucking jumper jamie (laughs) but like i i love the fact that you know you go from that scene where she's being like she's being so fucking obvious like Mm -hmm. she but like craig mattingly's like oh no she's she's buying my bullshit yeah He's buying a hook, line, and sinker, and it's like, mm. to be fair though, like Parker also thought that, like he was completely oblivious. Mm-hmm. Like you know, she did get tricked by him, and I think that it's kind of funny that like because both of them are trying to grift each other, and it's not their strong suits. Mm-hmm. So like they're kind of both so focused, like distracted by the fact that they're trying to do something that they are not used to mm-hmm. and weren't planning on doing, that yeah. like they are missing stuff that they would 100% mm-hmm. normally notice. And I actually think that rather than that being like a flaw, mm-hmm. I think that it actually makes total sense. Yeah. But I love the fact that we go from that scene where like, he's like, who's believing him that he's going to find his buddy's sweater? Like nobody. No Nobody's way. believing him. Through a and locked door in the fucking... Middle of the night. And then... In the middle of a party, like, you've escaped away to, like, some random dude's office. It's also not just some random party. It's the Venezuelan consulate. Like, like, it's not like... It's not like a friend of a friend is having a dinner party. Like, Like, no. (laughs) No. And so then we get the scene of Parker half hiding behind the flag and the confused Mm -hmm. Ola. And, like, the, you know, (laughs) the choking out of the security guard immediately followed by Parker being like, yeah, let's just climb up an elevator shaft. Do you know what is hilarious about this though, right? And I was thinking it as he was choking the guy out. I was like, up until this point, he doesn't know that Park is not Peggy. Yeah. So he just did that in front of who he thinks is like... Peggy. What's the the username? Like, cat lover 72. Tabby fan 72. Tabby fan 72. Like, that's who he thinks he's just choked this man out in front of. And like, he doesn't have an explanation, but also she doesn't react. And it is so funny. They're just chilling. (laughs) They're just out here. They're just chilling. Like, they're doing what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And then... Yeah, then the jig is up as soon as Parker Prize opened that. Or well, he opens the elevator, yeah. but then she's like, all right, let's go. Also, the fact that she could climb that at all, the fucking upper body strength. Yeah. Incredible. She's doing it in heels. and in heels. Oh, my God. She's like, she's having a great time. She's not struggling at all. And Craig Mattingly is below her, like, fucking struggling. <laughs> and he's, like, trying to put the puzzle pieces together in his brain. Mm-hmm. He's like... Hmm. Because that's his first, like, like, that's the first thing that seems to tip him off. That, like, this is not Peggy. Well, also, like, she's very suddenly not drunk anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like the, he starts putting the pieces together. Yeah. And then she's just, like, she is calling him the fuck out on the roof. Mm-hmm. Like, that is, that that is it. They, like, they're like, yep, no, done. Yeah. No, I find it very entertaining. And I like that they seem to have, like, obviously she's, fucked off when Mm -hmm. she figures out like that's you know it's gone wrong Mm -hmm. but i quite like that by the end of the episode like they're leaving on quite good terms like and this is why i said it feels like he's kind of set up that he could come back like and i kind of hope that he does Mm because i quite enjoyed the sort of not camaraderie but like the back and forth thing and it was quite fun seeing when um the four of them are kind of working together and they walk back into the room and they're, like, you know, mm-hmm. talking about the bomb or whatever. Yeah. I quite enjoyed, like, that sort of dynamic between mm-hmm. the four. It's obviously very different to what we normally have. I also love the fact, though, that they're like, no, you've fucked this up. Now you've got to fix it. Yeah. And, like, it's very clear that it's like, no, he doesn't get an option. We love accountability. Yeah. In this house. They're like, no, you've fucked this up. Time for you to fix it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. now you're going to follow these three powerful ladies like a lost fucking puppy. Yes. As they force you to fix up your mistakes. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. 
I want to just maybe make one more quick note about this. And then I mm-hmm. maybe want to talk about Tara and Sophie. Yeah. Because I love them. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite things was when Sophie, I think, says, you know, you've got to have, cause a distraction, like get people mm-hmm. out of the room. And Parker like goes up to the microphone and she's like, boom. <laughs> We are your party player. She's like, great. Now I've got your attention. Like the fireworks are about to begin. I love that Craig like jumps in and is like fully like, yeah, you know, (laughs) it's so funny. Like, and I love it for them. I love it. And like, normally I would find the like kaboom thing. Like sometimes I find a little bit, um, Mm. secondhand embarrassment. But in this particular instance, I thought that it actually kind of towed the line really Mm. well. I found it more enjoyable than I found it kind of like cringe. It's, like, very clear, like, like they are doing this on the fly. And improv is not their strong suit. Yeah. But it's yeah. also, like, oh, no, you would get away with that in real life. Like, yes. Like, it's a little bit, like, but it's not. Because of the fact that, like, they are, in this particular instance, they're performing to the audience. Mm-hmm. And they're, like, the kaboom is, like, a funny, because they're talking about fireworks. Yeah. Like, you can kind of be, like, oh, okay, I see where the performance joke kind of sits. Yeah. And it would work in this setting. Mm-hmm. Probably not great, but, like, it would Mm. go down okay whereas sometimes i find like they jump up to the mic and they'll say something and i'm like you everyone that it's like in the sims and you see the little like negative symbol appear above people's heads <laughs> like, like nobody liked that <laughs> like yes nobody liked that <laughs> oh i do love while we're talking about parker i think we need to go across the peggy first and then okay and then bounce to the and then bounce it, because I, I also think there's just less to say about peggy um generally <laughs> You might think that, Jamie. I will have you know, Peggy is my new favorite character. <laughs> I, <laughs> she is right up there with Adam and Maria. I just, I love Peggy so much. Mm-hmm. I like, I want to be clear. When I say there's not a lot to say about Peggy, I don't mean because I don't love her. Mm-hmm. I fucking adore Peggy. Like, <laughs> we get Peggy in the juror number six job, and I'm like, I am in love. Mm-hmm. And then she comes back here, and I'm like, I am still in love. Do we like, ever see her again? I'm not allowed to say that. Oh, please. Can I just get like a yes or a no? I'm not allowed to say that. Please. Oh. I told you we got Meg back. Meg is different. How? Because I'd seen content about Meg after that point, so I already kind of knew. Okay, well, what if I told you that I had seen content about Peggy? It's a lie, but... <laughs> I would know that you're lying, even though you just told me that you were lying, which kind of defeats the point of lying. Okay, well, I'm not good at lying, Jamie. <laughs> but, like... <laughs> I use up all my lying energy on the other podcast. <laughs> but no, Peggy is an icon and I love her. I love in this episode that she is so busy. She's like, I just wanted one nice blind date from online dating. Yeah. And she's like, I'm just going to beat this dude up with a fry pan real quick. I was obsessed. I, okay, that scene, I had just, yes, Peggy, <laughs> in all caps, when she starts, when she's on the phone to Parker, mm-hmm. and she's like, oh, you mean the worst wait start that I've ever seen in my entire life? Yeah, I know the one. <laughs> like, fucking savage. Like, I love that she picked up that, like, he was the, info- like, just yeah. based on her catering skills. She's like, like, no, he's bad at being a waiter. Oh, it's God. clearly him. I would actually pay money to watch an episode of Elliot and Peggy running a catering. Do you know what I mean? Like, if they catered Sophie mm-hmm. and Nate's wedding. Yeah. Oh, that would be a delight. Mm-hmm. An absolute delight. Mm-hmm. Anywho, what I was going to say is I've got, yes, Peggy in all caps. And then that knife was part of a set. <laughs> Like, I love that that is her focus. Yeah. Like, this guy just tried to murder her. And she's like, how dare you blunt my knives? How dare you? And then she comes at him so hard. And it's like, why can't a small business owner who just happens to like cats meet a nice guy? And my next note is, I love her. I would die for her. But also, at the end of the episode, she gets to, like, she gets to, like, hang out with her friends. And, like, it ends out happy for her. And I love Mm -hmm. that for her. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just, I'm so excited for Pet. Like, I love her so much. She is literally a babe. Like, mm-hmm. I would go to book club with Peggy. Mm-hmm. She seems so cool. And then I love, she's like to Parker, like, I know your secret. You're a spy. And she's so excited about it. And Parker's <laughs> like, yes, I am a spy. That's why I can tell you nothing else about what I do. Yeah. Like, absolute that. I'm definitely a spy and not um, a thief who has been stealing shit for years. Yeah. Yep, no, definitely a spy. Mm-hmm. And I love that we get to see Parker be genuinely upset that Peggy is upset. Yeah. Like, 
we get to see her be like, oh, like this relationship actually does mean something to me because it's like, she knows, like as soon as she figures out who Mattingly is, she mm. knows that she cannot let Peggy no, get associated. Just take him to the gala and like yeah. call it a day. Like she cannot, no. she's like, hmm. for, not just for the sake of like, clearly he's up to something nefarious, but also just for Peggy's safety. Because yeah. as soon as she takes him, like she's involved, like, yeah. you know, and so it's, it's a whole issue. What I will say, though, is, like, when Parker explains to Sophie at the start of the episode, like, when Sophie's trying to get in the elevator, and she's saying, like, oh, like, I'm going because she's meeting up with this guy for a first date, but it's, like, blind date and from online, so, like, I'm going for mm-hmm. safety stuff. I was like, yes, we love to keep our friends mm-hmm. safe. But then they we get the context that their first date, when they've never met before, is that she is taking him to a political function at the Venezuelan consulate that she is catering. Mm -hmm. And I was like, why is that your first date plan? Like, I would get Mm. it if you'd been together for a couple years Mm. or you were married. I can understand being like, hey, I'm doing this event. Do you want to come along? I can get you a ticket. Like, I can imagine that. See, for me, (laughs) the way that I've always thought of this is like, Craig Mattingly very specifically chose Peggy. Oh, yeah. And then he very specifically manipulated Peggy into getting her to invite him. I mean, yeah, but, like, you'd think that he's this committed to the con. He's been pretending to be obsessed with cats for how fucking long? Like, you'd think that he would be like, let's meet for coffee, like, Mm. and see her at least twice. Yeah. Like, before. Like, he says Mm. to Parker that he's been setting this up for months. And I'm like, and you didn't have 30 minutes. To get coffee. And I understand why, like, with the broader scheme of the plot, it wouldn't work. And, like, the thing is, if he had taken the time to just, like, meet up with her for coffee one time before the gala, then Parker would not have been necessary to, you know, like... Well, the thing is that Parker probably still would have gone because of the safety mm-hmm. thing. And I, that's why I said, for the plot reasons, I understand why they didn't do that. Because Parker would have clocked him yeah. too early and it wouldn't have mm-hmm. made sense for the episode. But, like, still... <laughs> It It just just seems insane to me, personally. And then, you know, Parker nicks her invitation. But I'm also like, why did she have an invitation? She's literally the caterer. Yeah. And she says to the people when she gets there, I'm on the staff list. I don't need an invitation. I'm like, yeah, you don't. So why did you have one? Like, why is this a problem? Like, and you think the security would know who the caterer was? Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Because she's actually probably been there all afternoon preparing for this event. Yeah, And exactly. she just ducked out to go and meet this dude at a bar to, like... Exactly. Like, it should not have been more than 30, maybe max 45 yeah. minutes before she was back. Mm. And it's like, surely... And also, surely there's a staff entrance? Like, yeah. why is she going through the public entrance mm. with, like, all of the attendees? I don't, I don't know. It didn't make much sense to me. But that's but, okay. It's a leverage. It doesn't have to make sense. <laughs> Like, it just has to be fun and, like, for what the vibes. Oh, God. Oh, God. Speaking of the vibes, one thing we didn't mention about Parker, when she tells him that she needs a minute because she has to call her cat. I just, and I love that Parker this episode is, like, she's just trying to work some stuff out between her and Hardison. She's like, mm, we're just too different. And it's all sort of, like, not all of it, but, like, the the sort of inciting factor that we get to see on screen is the fact that... Hardison has bought him and Parker tickets oh. to the robot death match, and they're so close they can breathe on the plexiglass. Mm, that's close. Yeah. It's so fucking cute. Mm-hmm. He's so excited. Mm-hmm. And, like, the thing is, it's very abundantly clear to anyone who isn't Hardison that Parker could not give less of a shit. Mm-hmm. But the point is that he's excited, mm-hmm. and so she'll go yeah. because he's so excited the same way that, like, he would go with her to amuse, like, the Louvre to, like, yeah. plot how she would steal mm-hmm. each piece of art. Yeah. Like, you know, he'll go with her just to case out some building that mm-hmm. has a really cool, like... Security system. Or, like, a safe, <laughs> you know, that she wants to look at. He would do that because she's excited. He might yeah. not get it, but she does. Mm-hmm. And it's so lovely to see it, like, this way as well. Mm-hmm. And, like, but, like, Parker's panicking and she's, like... I she has the line in this episode and I think it's just so real. She's like, Can you do that thing where you talk to me and you fix me? Oh. to Sophie. And Sophie's like, Do you mean advice? <laughs> like I know. It's so it's so lovely to see this continuation of like Parker seeking out Sophie for like, you know, hey mum, I yeah. need this advice about, you know. Like 
you know, in this situation, Sophie is the mum or the big sister and, like, yeah. Parker's going to her for her advice and, like, to help get her life under control. So it's really nice to see that that's, like, something that really – it really just comes up quite often, especially in the original series where, like, Parker's – like, Parker's a very good thief. But in terms of working with a crew, she's still trying to find her feet. Like, we're mm-hmm. four seasons in and she's still – getting used to having people that she can rely on. Yeah, and I mean, even in as early as or as recently as last week's episode, mm-hmm. that whole little monologue from Hardison about, like, you know, I've got you, we've got you, you're not alone anymore. Like, this is still something that Parker is coming to grips with. It has certainly taken her longer than anyone else mm-hmm. to come to grips with this. And for good reason. Like, it makes sense with her character, where she's come mm-hmm. from and what we know about her so far, that – she would struggle with this Mm -hmm. as a concept and she would struggle to rely on it being stable, I think is the other thing. Because it's one thing to accept like, oh, I have this. It's another thing to accept that I have this for an extended period of time. Like this is not not going to disappear. Yeah, it's not going to disappear on me like at a random interval when I'm not prepared for it. Yeah, exactly. And that's why death freaks her out so much. And uh, also, I just want to quickly touch on Hardison, this episode... Uh, it's particularly in conversation with Parker. Yeah. So Hardison, first of all, getting like genuinely choked up about the mm-hmm. death of a robot. Mm-hmm. I love him so much. And also that is so relatable. Mm-hmm. I will fucking bond with any like robot. Like I have, mm-hmm. I have a friendly relationship with your vacuum cleaner, you know, like, <laughs> like he's just a little guy, you know? So I fully understand <laughs> Hardison's emotive response Mm. to that and I was like he is so real for this but also as he like speaks to the team throughout the night and he's like Parker what are you doing with this dude (laughs) like what's going on I also love (laughs) it though that Parker takes the photo of him and sends it to Hardison Mm -hmm. and her thing that she says is not oh hey can you run facial recognition to see who this guy is she goes can you put it through that thing that tells you if people are bad yeah also she says specifically that she's uploaded to like whatever the fuck the sky drive the sky drive which has to be i have to assume is either because they didn't want to say the cloud Mm -hmm. but i also don't know if that existed yet in the timeline but i think it existed but i don't think it was prominent right because then it immediately cuts to hardison using internet explorer in yet another clear Microsoft advertisement. It is so funny to me. They're going to fit in those Microsoft <laughs> ads if it kills them, Beth. It is so fucking funny to me every single time that I'm like, this isn't product placement. This is just an ad. Like, this is... And what is really, really funny to me is that it cuts from these very specific Microsoft-branded advertisements in the middle of Leverage to the streaming service I used, which was advertising Apple, like the latest Apple fucking laptop or whatever. And I was like, this is just competition. Brand warfare. This is literally <laughs> the duopoly. But no, so we, we, that face thing that tells you if people are bad, immediately him being like, you mean like the, you know, system that it took me eight knockdown drag out months to hack. And she's like, please. And he's like, okay. Yeah. Immediately relents. Like any any pro- potential protest, immediately gone. Yeah. He's like, okay, I'll do this for you. He runs it through. And I don't know if it's just you. And maybe it's just because I haven't seen a lot of Supernatural. But like <laughs> this entire episode is giving me big like Destiel, but like Dean's hanging out with Crowley vibes. <laughs> because like I know that we normally do the parallels the other way, but it's like it's very much like like, they're like, why are you still hanging out with him? Like, it's so funny. I'm laughing so hard. No, because you're kind of correct. But also because you've only seen to season five. Like, Jesus fuck. Yes. No, you're, it's very, it's, do you know what? I wouldn't actually say Crowley. There's a mm-hmm. different character that I would probably put in here mm-hmm. uh, from season eight. If anyone who's listening has watched Supernatural, you should know which character I'm referencing that Cass is, uh, Suspicious? Uh, jealous. Yeah. About. Um, we'll pop it in there. <laughs> they don't like each other. But yeah, no, that's so funny. And it literally, like, it's the moment when Hardison is like, let me guess, it's another handsome dude. And then he's like, okay, it's, it's a, a bomb. bomb. <laughs> literally so funny. And you were 100% correct about the vibes. Like, yeah. <laughs> 
but then we do get the iconic, let me guess, it's another handsome dude. Oh, no, it's a bomb. And then Sophie's going, yes, it's a bomb. Stop playing with those dogs and help us. <laughs> Meanwhile, we can, because we, the audience, can see Hardison clinging to a fence as those dogs attack him from below. It's so funny. Like, obviously, it's terrible for Hardison. But what gets me is that... He's like waffling on, right? And we as the audience are watching the time. I'm like, they don't have time. For no. whatever he's talking, they don't have time. And then you see it just get thrown out the window. And I was like, yeah, that's a good call. <laughs> and, but then they don't tell him they've done that. They just put the phone on the table and have a fucking drink. I'm like, guys, I love you. But my boy Hardison is literally, and I mean literally, fighting for his motherfucking life and you're just gonna let him waffle on about a bomb that's already exploded like i love both these characters so much what are they doing well he was just playing with the dog so it doesn't matter (laughs) i have so many do you know what is actually interesting and i know that this will sort of probably be answered next episode yeah but what is really interesting to me is that even though nate and Elliot are both with Hardison, theoretically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We only actually see or interact directly with Hardison. Because we only the see what they're like, we only see what the guys are doing when they call Hardison. And mm. Hardison is the only one they call. They don't call Elliot, they don't call Nate, they only yeah. call Hardison. And I did think that was interesting. And so we do actually see we do see a little bit of Elliot in the first flash two. Oh yes, you're right. He is in the background. Yeah. Um you know, so we see Ellie, but we don't actually interact with him at all. The only time that we see all of the characters on screen is in the opening scene, which I think that scene is so fucking hilarious. The oh fact God, yes. that they're like, it will be good for you, Nate. You can have a poker game just like your father. And you're like, yes, that's the thing I want, to be like my father. And they were like, name one person who is not currently in this room that you can have a conversation with. And then don't they all say Maggie. In sync, say, don't say Maggie. I love, though, the fact that this show was really like, oh, no, we're not going to, like, he's on good terms with his ex-wife. Yes. They are on good terms. Mm-hmm. So, like, last week when you're like, oh, maybe we'll see, like, Tara, maybe we'll see Maggie. I'm like, well, we don't see Maggie. But we do get her reference. But we do get a Maggie mention. And I'll which take is, that as a 25% win. Yeah, it is It is a win because Maggie is an icon. And I love the fact that they have not they have not gone to this trope of like, oh, well, they're divorced now, so they must be on terrible terms. And like, yeah, I you know like, what I mean? Like, I like that with Maggie and Nate, we get this sort of like, neither one of them has been demonized by the no. other. Like, it's very much like, we just couldn't get through this traumatic experience that we both went through. Like it this was just trauma changed us, and it both it changed us in such ways that we could no longer be. We were no longer compatible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that, and you know, obviously, like the loss of a child is something mm-hmm. that is incredibly traumatic. Like I'm not a parent, uh, mm-hmm. but I, and so I can't imagine mm-hmm. how traumatizing that must be. And I could fully understand if it would be very difficult for. Nate or Maggie to look at the other and not just constantly be reminded of their child because like you know that's just genetics mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. and I, I can fully understand how just that in and of itself would be so hard let alone all of the other tensions and pressures and emotional upset that comes mm-hmm. from that kind of scenario like yeah. just that alone that constant reminder I can understand being enough of a, a stressor to damage a relationship. Mm-hmm. And so, I yeah, I agree. I'm really glad that they make it a very amicable... And they make a very specific point of, oh, no, they are still on speaking terms. In fact, Maggie is the person that he is most on speaking terms with outside of the crew. Yeah, and I also love that Maggie is fully in support of him and Sophie. Yeah. Like, more so than Nate is. Like, she is more supportive than Nate is of his yeah. relationship with yeah. Sophie. Yeah, Maggie's like, I don't understand why you two just aren't together yet. Like, Yeah, she's like, yeah, well, we got divorced and that was really the only thing holding you back. <laughs> Like she's like move on already. She's chill with it, you know. Like she is yeah. absolutely chill. With it. Like she likes Sophie, and so it's like, yeah, you yeah. know, it's so yeah. I also love that Nate specifically, like you mentioned before, we get the quote like, "Oh yes, I want to be like my fa- father," and then he goes, "Thanks for your insight, Sophie." Like <laughs> literally dying. Like oh god, it was so funny. I also love that we get the line about Hardison having friends, but Elliot's doing the whole, like, he's got his internet friends that are, like, fucking elves or whatever, and he's like, they're orcs. And I'm like, I love you defending your internet role-playing friends, because, like, yeah, they are orcs, Elliot. Come on, get your terminology correct. Jesus. 
Like, it takes zero dollars to be respectful of somebody else's hobbies. Exactly. Exactly. Actually, one of the things that I do kind of um, appreciate about Leverage is that Hardison is, like, a nerd. And, like, mm-hmm. he gets kind of, like, they make jokes about it, particularly Ellie yeah. will make jokes about it. But it's always in a way where it's, like, I'm making this joke lovingly because I'm your friend. And, like, yeah, I'm going to make fun of you. It's like you making fun of me for watching Supernatural. I was about to say, so is it the same, like, the equivalent of me lovingly bullying you for liking yeah, Supernatural? exactly. It's like, yeah. you're bullying me, but it's okay because I'm consenting to it and also it's funny. Like, you know, like, I will we'll back and forth about it, but yeah. ultimately it's, like, you it's know. It's also all true, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, also I can't really argue with it. <laughs> like, you do, in fact, watch Supernatural. It that is a historically documented problem we've had. <laughs> but yeah, like I do, I do quite enjoy that uh, that back and forth. I think it's I think it's fun, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens next episode with sort of the other side of the cruise yeah. bits and pieces. Because I think it'll be very fun to get their dynamics, like when they're by themselves. Because it was really fun to see the girls' dynamics when they were by themselves. Yeah. And I also just think it's really fun that we get, like, we get an episode where, like, they're, they are significantly changing the team dynamic. They're mixing it up. They're, like, they're introducing characters that we don't see very often, and they're also just straight up changing the vibes just simply by altering the team a little bit. Yeah. Like, and mind you, these aren't massive alterations. It's no. not like, you know, it's not like the team split up and they're, you know... You know how some shows, they'll have, like, a, an ensemble cast and it's, like, two people will exit the cast and so they've introduced new permanent characters. And like, they're not doing that. Like, it's a, it's a very clearly, like, one or two episode deal. They're not, like, they're not fundamentally changing the way the team works. So, you know, there's no, like, I remember in the second half of season two when we get Tara and you were like, I don't want Tara to replace Sophie. Like, you yeah. miss Sophie too much that it's, like... It's not that sort of, like, they're not making foundational structural changes. Mm. It's very clear that this is, like, a, you know, they're going out for the night and shit just happened to happen. Yeah, and the thing is that I I was really excited to see so, uh, to see Tara again. Like, I was looking forward mm. to getting her back. And it was really funny because at the start of the episode, like, Sophie's like, oh, you know, it's insane that, like, we've never worked a job together. And um, Tara's like, well, you know, you don't need two grifters. And it was interesting because I was like, oh, I see both of your points, like, I do, but I was kind of like, I've always really wanted to see Tara and Sophie working together. Mm-hmm. And then by the time we're five minutes into this episode, I was like, oh, and this is why they don't. Yeah. <laughs> this is why they don't. And it makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Like, and I understand, like, it's a kind of obvious route to go of, like, them kind of ribbing each other, being like, oh, that's how you're going to play this. It's very similar to, like, Hardison versus Chaos mm-hmm. kind of thing, you know. But I honestly think it was done really really well Mm -hmm. and my reasoning is that it just felt so in character yeah the way both of them were deciding to go about it and i could totally understand why they were preferring their own methods over Mm -hmm. the others like they were both correct either way they were going to run it was going to work but i totally saw why tara preferred Mm -hmm. one method and sophie preferred another yeah and it's like you can see, like, and it's also this is the sort of thing that even in the second half of season two, when we have a lot of Tara content, I was saying like back then, like this is fa- like she's foundationally different to Sophie, mm-hmm. like her methodology is different, and it's like they even put it in the text dialogue. Yeah, this they week. even put it in the text dialogue this week. But also the funniest thing to me is the fact that Tara runs her cons, like Nathan runs his cons, like Nate runs his cons, like mm. Tara and Nate are very similar, which is why they hate each other. like Nate and Tara are very 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 similar they're very much like they're going for the head con they're like you know what I mean like as much as like Tara uses some similar like sort of techniques that Sophie does they're very much Sophie is more likely to go down the men and stupid men are stupid Sophie is much more likely to go down the route of men are stupid and horny Mm -hmm. Tara is more likely to go down the route of I'm going to make you think that I'm way more important than you. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, and not that they don't each mm. do that. Like, we yeah. even see that happen in this episode. Mm. Like, Tara has that whole moment where she's dancing with that one dude. Yeah. And, like, bits and pieces like that. But it's so nicely exemplified by the way they get into the party. Mm. 
Tara's like, I'm going to imitate an authority figure. She's yeah. pretending to be secret service detail because she has the, like, the badge on her, which makes it a really easy con for her to run. Yeah. She flushes the badge. She gets it. Sophia's like, <laughs> I'm not pretending to be secret service. I'm going to pretend to be a hooker instead. Like, What's so funny, though, is that, like, literally five minutes later, because, like, Tara says, like, oh, like, uh, you know, that's, like, all right, yeah. that's so three years ago or whatever, which is hilarious. I love that there's this concept of, like, Grifted trends. Like fashion, yeah. but like make it grifting. So funny. But what is interesting is that when she meets back up with Sophie, she goes, he thought I was a hooker. Or like, he, he thought I was a prostitute. And it's like, yeah, because you made him think that. Like, I don't know why you're shocked. Like, you literally convinced him of that. That's what you were trying to do. To be fair, though, I do read that line as a joke. Like, she knows what. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, she, yeah. she's 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 having a bit of, she's poking at a bit of fun at that dude because like, Obviously. Yeah. Like, it was, I liked it, but I was also like, what are you talking about, man? (laughs) Sophie is more likely to go for the heart con, whereas Tara's more likely to go for the the head con, which means that in terms of her methodology, Tara's actually a lot closer to Nate Mm. than Tara is to Sophie. But it was also like so fucking interesting. Like, they're discussing their techniques. Like, Sophie is talking about like his tan and like mm-hmm. and the fabric that his clothes are made mm-hmm. out of and stuff. Whereas Tara is looking at the facial expressions of everyone around him. And like, I do in- love the line, read my micro expression. And then <sighs> does the most overt fucking over the top eye roll. Mm-hmm. Hilarious. I'm like, Sophie, I might need you to check the dictionary for the word micro. <laughs> <laughs> but like, again, like she's clearly kidding. Yeah. And it's so, it's so interesting watching what the two of them prioritize as mm. well. And even just looking at the way they search the room. Yeah. Like, and this is where they get a bit more explicit with yeah. actually telling you what they're doing. And so why it's they like, no, differently. you've got to look at the room as a whole. You've got to treat it like a crime scene. You've got to look at the larger picture and then you can look at the details. Mm-hmm. Whereas Tara's like, no, you get in and out. You don't know how long you have. Mm-hmm. You've got to be in and out lightning strike. You yeah. You can't afford to take in all the, the big picture. It's that. not about the ambiance. No. <laughs> You've got to look at the details first and then if then you can review. Then you yeah. can add the details together to get the big picture. Whereas Sophie's like, you know, you step back, you take your time, you look at the big picture first and then you mm. look at the details. I've got a question for you. Mm-hmm. Out of genuine interest, mm-hmm. if you were going to approach this kind of like work mm-hmm. – would you take more of a Sophie or a Tara approach? Probably a more Tara approach. That is so interesting because I would 100% take more of a Sophie approach. See, because I'm, I'm like a thinker, you know? So I think that in terms of searching a room and like mm-hmm. looking like a general observation, way more of a Sophie for me See, personally. In terms – if I was searching a room, I would probably take – a more Sophie approach than Tara. Okay. Like, like not a full Sophie approach. Like I'm not like, mm-hmm. because I was going to say, if I was actually engaging with a person, yes. I would take a Tara approach. Yeah. But if I was looking at a area, a like I would take a, a Sophie approach. I maybe wouldn't be quite like Sophie. I do like, I would be more consciously aware of like the time limit. Cause I'm an anxious person, mm. but like definitely like I would at least stop to consider, okay, like, well, what details can I look at before I disturb anything? What details can I pick up? Yeah. And then... Well, because that's the thing. Like, sometimes it's not necessarily about what you find, but the context in which you find it. Mm-hmm. And that can be just as important. Mm-hmm. Like, if you pick something up without... Like, if I, for example, if we were searching a room, mm-hmm. and I, like, like opened a drawer and started pulling shit mm-hmm. out, and I found something, right, like, I might find it, on the floor where it's been tossed because it was wrapped in a shirt or some shit. And yeah. then I don't actually necessarily know it was in the drawer. I mm-hmm. find it on the floor. and But the fact that it was in the drawer might be important. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there are different things that you might miss if you're just going and like rapidly going through. But I also totally understand why she would want to be rapidly going through mm-hmm. because like you said, there's a time crunch. They don't know how long they've got. Yes. Which is proven by the fact they're immediately interrupted by the dude too after Mattingly. Mm-hmm. And I do love the fact that one of them goes straight for the pillows and does the and then the other and like dude hacks it apart. Then the other dude does the thing that I see every time I see in a piece of media when someone goes straight for the pillows as a hiding place. Like, seriously, in the pillows, dude. Yeah. Like, because yeah, like who the fuck is opening up the pillow, putting it in, and then re-stitching it up? It's a hotel pillow, mind you. It's not like it's in their home. No. But it's also like, surely, surely. You don't want them to know you were there? 
Like, you don't want to make them suspicious, so you try to leave everything as much as it was so that you don't raise suspicion. A slashed open feather pillow might raise some eyebrows. But he doesn't, like, here's the thing, like, he doesn't even, like, have a feel of the pillow no. or anything. But he's just going straight to hacking it open. And so I love the fact that the dude that he's with is, like, seriously, dude, the fucking pillow. Yeah. I Like, like that's where you think it is, the pillows. Yeah. And I love that he does call that out. Like, here's the thing. Didn't even check under the pillow no. first. Just went straight. And I don't know about you, mm-hmm. but if I'm hiding something from someone, my first thought is not to put it inside a pillow. No. And if I did, I might put it inside the pillow case, mm. but I'm not putting it in the actual interior fluff of the pillow. That's why too, Why would you unstitch it that and restitch it? so complicated, unnecessarily. And then you're also going to lose your bloody deposit because, you know, hotel cleaning is going to come in. <laughs> I'm sure that's what they're worried about. Like, <laughs> what I will say is that they wouldn't have got caught if Tara had just pinched her fucking nose. Yeah. Like, why did she sneeze openly? Just pinch your nose and then You can you're sound fine. like an Australian. <laughs> but like, like if I'm I had to learn, I never to be fair, I could never do the pinch nose sneeze mm-hmm. until the pandemic. Because I was like, I am not sneezing into this mask. So I had to learn, but also you don't want to take the mask off to sneeze mm-hmm. because then it like defeats the purpose. Like yeah you're most likely to spray germs while you're sneezing. So I had to learn to pinch my nose to sneeze because I was like, well, I don't want See, to I don't know how to pinch mask. my nose to sneeze. Okay, well, I think you should learn. <laughs> <laughs> Just honestly, for no other reason than like, it is way more convenient now when I'm like at work or in a, in a study space at uni and I have to sneeze to be able to just silently sneeze rather than have to awkwardly make a loud noise. Or like if I'm in an exam... I don't want to distract everyone by sneezing. That's the worst. So now I can pinch my nose to sneeze. And it's very convenient. And it shocks me that Tara doesn't. Like, I get it for plot reasons, mm-hmm. obviously. Yeah. But, like, you know. I love the fact, though, that we get Tara. They just, they're making fun of each other this entire episode. Mm-hmm. In that, like, that way that you can only do it when you've known someone for a long time. Yeah. I love the fact that we get, you know, like, Sophie's on the ground and they're pointing the gun at her. And Sophie's like... The safety's on. And then, mm-hmm. like, Tara knocks the dude out and looks at the gun. And it's like, the safety wasn't on. He's just like, not to a grifter. And then you immediately get the little, not to a grifter. Yeah, but, like, at the same time, she's, like, fondly picking, like, the shattered glass out of her hair. And I'm like, this is what I love, is mm-hmm. that they are ribbing each other. Mm-hmm. Like, they're giving each other shit. But it's in such a fond way. Mm-hmm. It's like, you're, I'm going to bully you, but because I love you. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's that very specific type of, like... I'm going to make fun of you, but you know that there's no hate in it. There's no actual, like, derision or anything. Like, when she's like, like, it's not an actual belittling thing. It's like, oh, yeah, this is going to be an ongoing joke Mm -hmm. sort of situation. And I don't know, me personally, I love it when my friends bully me because, (laughs) (laughs) one, it's very funny. I have a lot of very funny friends. I mean, to be fair, we do have like eight seasons worth of content of me bullying you for like, and you're so valid for that. And I like, I personally, I genuinely do think it's funny. And I know that if I know that my friends would never actually say anything with the intent of hurting me, Mm. like we all know when, you know, there's always a line Mm. and we all know roughly where that line sits, depending on who the person is, you know? And so if you want to hear me or bullying me, you're very aware of the line Mm. (laughs) and where it sits. And so like, for me, like when I get to see this kind of stuff in media, I'm like, oh yeah, like that's just, that's friendship, you know? Like that's just the, the friendly ribbing. I like, you know, we call it bullying. It's not really bullying. It's just like banter Mm. essentially. You know, before we move on from Sophie and mm-hmm. Tara, and, and actually I'm going to throw Parker in here as well. Mm-hmm. I want to do a shout out. Is it our special daily thank you to Nadine Haters time? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The fucking dresses mm-hmm. this week. Specifically, like Tara looks gorgeous, don't get mm-hmm. me wrong, but specifically Sophie's dress, the white one. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. And whatever Parker was wearing with like the strappy back mm-hmm situation i love it because it's like it's obviously like plop 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 convenience convenience, you're watching leverage of course it fits her fucking perfectly and of course it's like almost perfectly parker style because what i've noticed is when parker gets put in a dress Mm -hmm. typically any sort of dress she gets put in 
It's kind of like strappy. It's kind of like... Her shoulders are free and there's lots of mobility. Her shoulders are free and there's lots of mobility, but it's also vaguely reminiscent of like a harness. It's like form-fitting as well. Like, yeah. yeah. It's like, you know, because you've got the strappiness, it's almost like she's wearing a harness. Like mm-hmm. it's it's that sort of like they take those elements a lot with Parker. Yeah. The more like structural elements of like, oh, no, it almost looks like because the back of this one almost looks like she's Christmas. wearing a harness. You know what yeah. I mean? Like. It's so funny you say that because it reminded me very much of like, you know how if you have like a sports bra that's got mm. like the reinforced. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like that's what it reminded me of. But yeah, you're so right. It's very much like a harnessy mm-hmm. sort of uh, situation. But it's interesting that you say that because I think that the one exception that comes to mind is actually the wedding job when yeah. she was put in like the Bo Peep fucking when monstrosity. She was in the bridesmaid dress. <laughs> yeah. Right. And like, but oh god! But then that makes narrative sense because she's not the one who picked it. I mean, yeah. it doesn't make narrative sense. There is no reason why she should be pretending to be <laughs> yeah, a that, that, matter that was that, so confusing, actually. That that point of the the episode makes no sense. But the <laughs> fact that you know the dress doesn't match her style makes sense within the narrative. Yeah, like because she wasn't going to get a choice in in that. Mm-hmm. But yes. But no. even like if we're talking about last week and like the Queen's Gambit job, the pink dress is really like mm. strappy and it's, it's like bindings. It's like even going back to the Iceman job, mm-hmm. like even that blue dress in that mm-hmm. episode was just very, very similar stylings, mm-hmm. you know. But no, I was fucking obsessed with both Parker and specifically Sophie's, like that mm-hmm. white dress. Yeah. Oh my god, mm-hmm. beautiful, stunning. Nadine, love your work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, Gina Bellman and Beth Ricegraff are beautiful, but yeah. like, yeah, I loved those dresses. I do really just, I know we've mentioned it earlier, but I just want to loop back around and actually give it some time to appreciate just how fucking good it is that Craig Mattingly, she, he's like, I never got your name. And she's like, oh, it's Parker. And he's like, takes him a minute to like click, but then he clicks and he's like, yeah. Parker? Like, yeah. the Parker? <laughs> T-H-E-E. Like, I didn't realize I was in the presence of the Celebrity. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I find it so funny. Like, because, yeah, I've actually mentioned this to you before, but, like, uh-huh. Parker is famous among the criminal underground. Like, yeah. she is going to be remembered as one of the best thieves of her generation. Like, do you know what is so funny? Is like, because you've mentioned that to me a couple of times, especially that specific of, like, Parker the Parker, mm-hmm. like you've used that a few mm-hmm. times up to this point. As soon as it was like apparent that she was trying to interrupt his mm-hmm. con and bits and pieces, I was like, oh, I bet. Yeah. I bet this is where this comes in. And so then it's when they were on the roof and like they're chatting or whatever. And I was and like, she's this like, is where it's going to be. And I was She's so like, you didn't right. even know how to use a fucking thumb drive. Like I picked the lock. I did this. Buck off. Obsessed with it. Obsessed with it and also i love that actually at the end they're having like a bit of a chat and stuff and he's like oh you know i heard you got out of the game and then you know she has the interaction with the teacher and bits and pieces mm-hmm. and he's like oh okay so like you're just your motivations have shifted." yeah she's like i'm just playing by a different set of rules like yeah and i do think that that's a really interesting way to put it um and also i quite liked that they parted on good terms mm-hmm. Like, I liked that it became sort of, like, a friendly rivalry, but, like, at the mm-hmm. end, they were able to, like, they understand each other. They're similar terms to, like, what it reminds me of is the two-life crew job. Yes. And the way they, about. like, it's, like, that mutual respect. It's, like, we're probably not going to work together again, but, like, we're not going to actively sabotage or go after the other. No, and it kind of gave me the energy of, I can't remember the guy from the two-life crew job that was, like, Parker's mm-hmm. um, comparator. I don't remember what his character name is, but it, his the guy who plays him is Apollo Robinson. Okay. It reminded me of them being in the, uh, the air shaft or something, mm-hmm. and they were comparing bird choices. Mm-hmm. Like, that's kind of yeah. the, you know, the mutual respect mm-hmm. or, like, professional respect. They were, like, similar wingspan, different colours, like... Yeah, you know, and, like, they're giving their reasoning. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that that was really interesting to sort of have them part on, on good terms mm-hmm. and also with, like, sort of a, a mutual respect because I think that Parker, by the end of it, was, like, had warmed up to him much mm-hmm. more so than at the beginning, which is valid. What I really, really did love Mm -hmm. and i'm sure this is not going to come as a shock to you is when sophie and parker are talking at the end of the episode and parker saying you know like i i kind of figured it out myself like i was worried because hardison and i are so different we have such different interests and you know how is that gonna work and she's like but i just spent an entire night with someone who has the exact same interests as i do 
and I would have had more fun with Hardison. Mm. And I was like, oh my God, stop it. You're so cute. Like, I don't know what the fuck happened, but it's like they literally went from like partisan being like sprinkled in mm-hmm. as like seasoning maybe twice a season to being like, we're going to give you them slow dancing and humming. We're going to give you them having little speeches to each other. We're going to give you them going on dates. We're going to give you them like they just they were just like full speed ahead. They were like, it's season four. The partisan shippers will be fed. Literally, literally. And I am not complaining because I love it. But like it feels after such a long time of it being like a relative slow burn and like the thing is one thing i like about the way that parker and hardison's relationship has been written is it's never felt like a will they won't they Mm -hmm. because i find that a little bit tedious Mm -hmm. because it ultimately comes down to well they will Mm -hmm. because otherwise why why are you wasting all of this time you know like ultimately like there will be something that will come of this whether it's a relationship or not like Mm -hmm something will happen because that's why you're putting energy into it. But it's nice that Parker and Hardison has felt like guaranteed. Yeah. I suppose this whole time there've never been any like major, and even like this episode, like Hardison's like acting a bit jealous or whatever, Mm. but it's never any, like there's never any real threat. Yeah. It's always just a bit like silly. Mm. Um, And so this is nice. Hardison being jealous for no reason. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, at the end of the day, that that is the key. Like, Hardison is jealous as hell, but he has no reason to be. And also, he's not a prick about it. No. Because this is the thing. Like, regardless of whether or not he genuinely thinks that, like, you know, Parker could be interested in this other guy. Mm. Like, he's not... Because she's not. Like, to no. be very clear, she's not interested in Mattingly whatsoever. And he is a little jealous. Mm-hmm. But he's not being a prick. No. Like, he is not being, like... Oh, we Peggy should help and... Peggy because this guy, I don't like you hanging out with him. and Yeah, and he doesn't try and tell her what she can and can't mm. do. Like, he says he's clearly doesn't love it. Yeah. But it's not that, like, manipulate shitty, like, mm. you know. He's like, this is a bad dude, Parker. Maybe avoid hanging out with him. Yeah, especially considering, like, they're not on a job right now. Yeah. Like, this is supposed to be their downtime mm. and she doesn't have the usual backup that yeah. she's had. But also, I want to make a point that we often talk about how Hardison is underappreciated mm-hmm. through the series and how much he actually does and how the crew would be screwed without him. Even in this episode where the whole point is that Hardison's not there. Yeah. He's there. He is still doing all of the most crucial... Like, obviously, mm-hmm. they're doing the stuff that's in person. But everything that they rely on, the information that they actually need to even start... To even know that Craig Mattingly is, is a shitty dude. Definitely not who he says he is. Yeah. Like, they rely on Hardison. And I'm like, this feels like underappreciation, you know? It kind of actually. There is an episode of Supernatural that you haven't seen yet, but it is coming up. It's in the first few episodes of season six where we get a little bit of like a Bobby POV. Mm-hmm. And it's like a lot of like what he's doing in the background. Yeah. While, you know, we're normally with the boys, right? Mm-hmm. And it gave very similar vibes to this where like he's just taking calls and giving people all of the relevant information and doing like the fucking hard yards. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, oh, okay, cool. Thanks. Bye. And he's like, fucking, I guess I'm just at your back and call. Like, and it gave me the same energy. Yeah. And I, oof, I love both of those characters so much. And so it was really fun for me to be like, oh yes, I remember this. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen this film before. Mm-hmm. I don't think I actually have too much more to add about this episode. I just, I really love this episode. I love the fact that we get Peggy back. I love that we get Tara back. Like, I think it's also really fun and it's a really nice, like, way to be like, oh, this is why we don't get Tara very often. Because, like, it wouldn't make sense. Functionally, her and Sophie's grifting styles are not compatible. Mm -hmm. Like, they, they would hate every single moment if they had to work together for, like, an extended period of time. Like, this is fine because it's, like, a couple of hours that they're working together. But if they had to actually like. Yeah. Cooperate for cooperate. like an extended. And this is also like they're working on the fly, which is very different to sitting down and planning something. Yeah. Like at this point in time, they kind of just have to go with whatever is going to work in mm-hmm. the moment, regardless of what that is. But if they had to sit down and like try and nut out how yeah. they were going to attack this, I feel like it'd be very difficult. Though I do love the ending that we get, which is the most ridiculous scene. It's fucking like Tara and Craig like sleeping together with the pillows going everywhere because that one dude cut open the pillows. Okay, but hear me out because the funniest part about that to me 
is that they were literally fucking to the soundtrack of Venezuelan <laughs> hopes and dreams. <laughs> like, because that is what they said was on yeah. the fucking recording. And I was like, really? <laughs> really? Like, that was the mood music you decided to go for. <laughs> So funny to me. Especially considering we know canonically that Craig got no money out of this. No. Because Parker is standing on both the briefcases. Yeah. So I I think probably what happened is they were like, oh, you can keep this briefcase of money. We'll keep that one. Mm. But they switched it out. So he had the one with the tape recorder and they got both briefcases with money. Oh, it's so funny. It's so funny. Mm. Oh, Anyway, this episode was a delight. Yeah. It was really a delight. I'm very excited for next week. Okay, then. If it was a delight, how do you rate this week's episode out of five? I gave it I gave it a 3.5. Mm-hmm. My reasoning is because even as much as I did love it, I did miss the usual team dynamics. Mm-hmm. Like, I, d- I did miss yeah. having Elliot and, God forbid, I miss Nate. You know? Like, but I am very excited to see next week's. And I think that because of the structure of these two episodes... It might be actually more fair to give them a combined rating, like mm-hmm. once I have both sides yeah. of the story. So I think I did. Once you work out why Hardison was playing with that dog. Yeah, you know, like what did a drug cartel have to do with anything? Yeah. Did Nate wear a dumb hat? Like all mm. of these things are important. And, you know, did any of them call any of the girls? Like, did we see. Is there, like, a phone call that we missed at any point? Like it was like, just off screen because they wanted to show it, like. Yeah, you know, and so. I, I'm interested to see how next week's episode plays out. And then I wonder if then I maybe give them a combined, mm-hmm. like, rating. Yeah. But I definitely think this episode it de- certainly doesn't fall below a 3.5. Mm-hmm. Like, it was an excellent, very fun watch. Mm-hmm. And I adored Peggy. Mm-hmm. She's just so sweet. I love her so much. Actually, do you know what? Maybe I give it a 4. I think I give it the extra 0.5 purely for Peggy's fight scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that shit... Slash. She was giving me Rapunzel vibes. Right. Like, I love... Do you know what? Yeah. Four, four out of five, mm-hmm. but exclusively that extra point five is just for Peggy and pretty much just that one fight scene mm-hmm. where she's furious about her knife. I also because love the scene so where she's fun. trying to get into the party. They're like, but you don't have an invite. She's like, I'm on the fucking staff list. And she's like, that waiter is shit. I'm, <laughs> like, I don't give a shit that you're denying me entry. I am going to do my fucking job. Like, right. I... I love Peggy. I, yeah, genuinely, for Peggy, mm-hmm. this one gets a four. Okay. And then I think next week we'll, we'll, I'll look at a combined okay. score overall. Because, right. yeah. Well, next week's episode is called The Boys Night Out Job. What do you think it's about? I have the funniest yes. suspicion that it is somehow going to involve dogs. Okay. A Mexican drug cartel. Yep. Poker. Mm-hmm. Nate Elliott Hardison and... That other dude they name dropped that I can't remember the cop. Oh, uh, yeah. At the start of the episode. Yeah. Uh, Detective Bonanno. That's the one. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I assume mm-hmm. these people will be involved. Oh, I have one more note about this episode. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. They tell everyone that there are going to be fireworks. Mm-hmm. They throw a bomb <laughs> in a car out a window and everyone cheers as if those are fireworks. <laughs> everyone on the ground is like, ooh. I'm assuming. Ah. I'm like, guys, <laughs> I'm assuming it came the, out a window. I'm assuming <laughs> the theory is there are like four or five stories off the ground. So like you can't, from the ground, <laughs> Jamie, Jamie, it doesn't look like a firework. It doesn't matter which way you spin it. It just looks like fire. And also it's a cart being thrown out a window. Like I don't think the, the perspective really matters. <laughs> like it didn't go from the ground up, I think is the first flag. So there is a flag this week. It's yellow, red, and blue blue stars. <laughs> oh, fuck. Anyway. Okay, lovely. Well, thank you so much for listening to us today. If you want to join us again next week for the Boys Night Out job, that would be incredible of you. I'm so excited to talk about that one. If you want to find us at all, you can find us on various social media platforms. All of our links will be in the description below. If you want to talk to us, you can talk to us about that, literally anything in this week's episode. But please, like, suggested conversation topics include how iconic Pedigree is in that one fight scene. Oh, my God, yes. Oh. Does it make your list of, like, top top non-Elliot fight scenes in leverage? Because <laughs> I, I feel like if I, we allow the Elliot fight scenes, then, like... Oh, Elliot, definitely the, the lube knee slide. <laughs> Elliot has some top tier fight scenes in mm-hmm. this show. There are some that you don't know about yet. My favorite Elliot fight scene we have not seen about yet. Oh, fun. So 
Funnily enough, my favorite Elliot fight scene also takes place in the kitchen. Interesting. Yeah. Any anyone listening will hopefully know which fight scene I'm referring to. And it's not to. the one where he squeezes lemon juice in that dude's eye and no. they flash back to all the fire. No, because you've already seen that one. Okay. So right. there is another fight scene coming up that does take place in a kitchen with Elliot that we haven't seen yet. Ooh. That's the one. Does that mean we get more Chef Elliot? I'm not saying that. He's just in a kitchen. Ooh, okay. Well, I'm going to hope for Chef Elliot because I love Chef Elliot. Oh, how do you feel about Craig Mattingly? Yeah. Yeah, because I quite like Craig. I think. Did you like that he was an Australian? Because yeah, <laughs> I've watched this episode so many times, and I've never thought, "Hmm, that's an Australian accent." I'm just paying attention. <laughs> I'm not. Oh, if you were to add another female character to this episode, which other female character would you put in here? Oh, Maggie, hands down. Yeah, for me anyway. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite ad within leverage? <laughs> you asked this last week. I don't care. It's relevant again. <laughs> funny to me i don't know if it's just like me specifically who's noticing this or if it's like a general knowledge thing but it is hilarious to me how often and how consistent it is like i know exactly who was sponsoring leverage the product placement is obvious and real god but it's just not even the product placement it's just it's everything anyway it's so funny oh and also what do you think about the venezuelan consulate as a first date meeting place bad idea Okay. Is overwhelmingly my thought. Well, yes, I also think that. But, you know, who knows? Some people Mm -hmm. might be into it. But you know what? Like, if I'm looking at TV characters that I've recently seen manipulated. (laughs) So interesting to see where you're going with this. (laughs) Peggy getting manipulated by someone into taking him to a party that she's catering. Uh Uh-huh. Inherently less manipulation required for that than, I don't know, tricking someone into drinking demon blood because their brother died. <laughs> like, I feel like the skill level required for those two manipulations, one is inherently higher than the other. Yeah, definitely way harder to convince someone to go to the Venezuelan consulate yeah. than it would be to drink blood. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> anyway. Thank you so much for listening. Have a lovely evening, morning, night, lunch, brunch, evening, afternoon. I've said evening too many times now. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Professional podcast.